This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 42-year-old Tony Sicoria paced backstage at a grand concert hall. He peeked out from behind the curtain. A bright spotlight pierced through the darkness to shine on the center of the stage. It illuminated a man in a tuxedo sitting at a piano. Although he was bathed in light, his features were oddly out of focus. But Tony wasn't looking at the man's face. He stared at his hands as they stretched across the keys, Expertly, the man played the most beautiful melody Tony had ever heard. In spite of himself, Tony felt drawn to the music. He stepped on stage, but nobody in the audience even noticed him. Hundreds of pairs of eyes were focused on the pianist. Tony drew closer to the piano player, and more features revealed themselves. He slouched. He had a paunch of a belly. Something about his posture felt familiar. With growing dread, Tony drew close enough to see the pianist's face. He saw himself. Tony opened his eyes, gasping for air. The concert hall had all been a dream. In his dim bedroom, the orthopedic surgeon looked over to his wife, who was sleeping soundly right next to him still a little sore from being struck by lightning a few weeks earlier, he slipped out of bed. In his living room, he sat down at the piano. Music was still echoing in his head, and although he'd never taken a lesson in his life, he put his fingers to the keys. He felt confident he could recreate the music from his dream. Despite having no prior interest or knowledge of music, he soon did. It felt as if the lightning strike had zapped Beethoven himself right into Tony's head. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. 
You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. This is our second episode on Sudden Savant Syndrome, a mysterious medical condition in which a victim acquires extraordinary talents after a traumatic head injury. Last week, we explored three historic cases of Sudden Savant Syndrome. Edward Mybridge's stagecoach accident made him one of the most influential photographers of all time. Jason Paget developed mathematical genius after he was assaulted outside a bar. And finally, Tony Sicoria was an orthopedic surgeon turned pianist and composer following a lightning strike. This week, we'll cover some possible explanations for sudden savant syndrome. We'll discuss whether the brain's self-healing mechanisms unlock dormant genetic memories. Then we'll look at a little understood condition called synesthesia and its connections to savant syndrome and traumatic head injuries. Finally, we'll explore whether sudden savants have actually recovered memories from past lives or been granted gifts from on high. Each of these theories tries to explain the unexplainable, how a person can instantly become an expert at a skill they've never studied. When you think of a savant, you likely picture Raymond Babbitt from the movie Rain Man. And though Raymond is fictional, it's an accurate depiction. The character was based on a real-life super-savant, Kim Peek. Peek was a human Google who memorized over 12,000 books. When the film was being developed, the producers and the studio wanted the depiction to be truthful and sensitive. They hired Dr. Daryl Treffert, a Wisconsin psychiatrist, writer, lecturer, and personal friend of Peek, as an advisor. Before Rain Man brought him notoriety, Treffert had spent five decades publishing books, journal articles, and giving interviews. He was a leading voice in educating the public about savants. When Treffert had first become interested in the subject, savants were sometimes referred to as idiot savants, as he came to better understand his patients and their incredible abilities, Treffert pushed people to show more empathy regarding the condition. Dr. Treffert's studies of savants began in 1962 when he started working as a psychiatrist in the children's unit at Winnebago Mental Health Institute in Wisconsin. He oversaw 30 severely developmentally disabled children. Most had been diagnosed with autism. During his tenure, Treffert discovered that many of his autistic patients displayed incredible abilities. Children who could barely speak or read were solving complex mathematical equations that would challenge an adult. A blind woman had incredible timekeeping skills despite no access to a clock. They had perfect pitch or could create lifelike pencil drawings. After careful analysis, Treffert concluded that one out of every 10 autistic patients was also a savant. To recap from last week, 
Savant syndrome is a phenomenon where a person with a mental impairment displays an extraordinary but narrow skill. Treffert dubbed the abilities an island of genius because of the way they seem to burst out of nowhere like an island rising out of the sea. When Treffert first began his studies, psychiatrists only recognized congenital savant syndrome, or cases where people were born with mental impairments and savant abilities. But over time, the psychiatric community began to realize that some people acquired these skills later in life, usually following some kind of traumatic brain injury. Treffert became interested in sudden savant syndrome after he met Alonzo Clemens, who'd suffered a brain injury from a childhood fall. The damage left him severely developmentally disabled. His IQ was estimated to be below 50. But the injury also brought an unexpected gift. Although he'd never studied sculpting, Clemens had amazing artistic skills, and they didn't appear until after he left the hospital. He could look at any animal, or a picture of any animal, and recreate it perfectly in clay. He could even do this if he'd only briefly glanced at his subject. It was like he had a perfect 3D model saved in his mind. Treffert was astounded by Clemens' abilities, especially because he couldn't explain where they'd come from. It was one thing to accept that some people were just born different, like autistic children who were amazing at math. It was something else entirely to look at Clemens, who'd been an ordinary boy until he was three or four, and then spontaneously became an incredible sculptor. Treffert desperately wanted to determine what had brought on the change. The solution seemed to lay in Clemens' childhood head injury. Treffert concluded that after an injury or damage, the brain could rewire itself, unlocking new neural pathways and abilities in the process. This also fit with Treffert's earlier observation of autistic savants. Even today, scientists don't fully understand what causes autism, but it seems to have a parallel to brain damage. A study published in the 2016 issue of Behavioral Neurology suggested that autism and pediatric traumatic brain injury affect the brain in highly similar ways. Treffert theorized that autistic people developed congenital savant syndrome in response to the same kind of brain damage that caused sudden savant syndrome in Clemens. And he didn't think that Clemens had anything special that other people didn't. He was convinced that savant skills were dormant in everyone. It just took a traumatic injury to uncover the islands of genius lurking just beneath the surface. To test this theory, in 1988, Treffert compiled all the information he could find on sudden savant syndrome. From there, Treffert realized that most of the sudden talents weren't so sudden after all. Even if the savants had never been taught a particular skill, they may have had the potential for greatness from birth stored in their genes. To understand this claim, we need to explore the theory behind genetic memory, or the idea that knowledge or wisdom can be inherited. It's clear that some animals are born with knowledge they never learned but need to survive. Science calls it instinct. Take monarch butterflies. 
Every year, they migrate from Canada to Mexico and back again. The journey takes months, but the adult monarch lifespan is only four to six weeks. This means the butterflies are always traveling somewhere they've never been, crossing skies they have no familiarity with. And yet somehow, they know exactly where to go. Treffert supposed that something similar lurked within the human brain. Much in the same way monarch butterflies know how to get from Canada to Mexico, perhaps savants were born with an understanding of how to sculpt or calculate mathematics or play piano. Of course, no one's ever heard of a newborn selling out concerts or filling art galleries. So even though people are born with certain skills, they're unable to access them. Islands of genius are dormant, just out of reach, until something like a traumatic brain injury knocks them into our conscious mind. Treffert explained it through analogy. Quote, I just purchased a new computer. There are a variety of software programs installed on the computer. If I use the proper keystrokes, those programs will be available and active. But I tend to generally use only those programs familiar to me, tailored to my specific needs. A whole cache of other programs are embedded on my hard drive. I just have to know how to tap them. Like a computer pre-installed with applications, savants might be programmed with their inherited skills. In other words, a savant musician might have an ancestor who was a great singer or composer, or a mathematically inclined savant would be descended from a mathematician. In a study of 33 savants, doctors David Reif and Lawrence Snyder found this was often the case. One man developed a severe mental handicap after surviving spinal meningitis. Later, incredible new musical talent surfaced. Notably, his sister was a remarkable violinist, his grandmother was a pianist, and two of his first cousins were musicians as well. Clearly, he came from a musically inclined family. In another case, a blind, mentally handicapped 19-year-old developed perfect pitch. His sister was a pianist, yet another case of familial musical ability. With this evidence, Treffert could prove that all people were capable of amazing musical or mathematical feats. The only problem? They had to be severely injured to access those abilities. But Treffert didn't let that stand in his way. He was determined to figure out exactly how savant skills could be unlocked. With that information, he could shape anyone into a genius. Up next, Treffert's quest to make all humans geniuses. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Now back to the story. Dr. Daryl Treffert began studying savant syndrome in 1962. After five decades, he theorized that every person had dormant skills encoded in their brains. 
they could be unlocked following a severe head injury. But perhaps there were nonviolent ways to access those abilities too, ways that didn't threaten a person's life. Treffer theorized that when people suffer head injuries, their brain needs to develop new neural pathways around non-functional neurons. As blood flow and enzymes sweep through the previously unused parts of the brain, dormant artistic or mathematical abilities wake up. Treffer described this process through the three R's, rewiring, recruiting, and releasing. First comes the injury. Old neural pathways are no longer available, so your brain has to rewire itself, finding new ways to accomplish old tasks. In order to blaze neural trails, your brain recruits tissues or neurons that were otherwise unused. Some of these neurons may have latent mathematical or musical skills, which are released when the neurons activate. This theory would explain Edward Mybridge's sudden photographic ability. As we explained last week, he never studied photography, but he'd always been interested in it. In his early adulthood, Mybridge even played around with cameras a few times. The first few pictures Mybridge took were underwhelming. But maybe on a subconscious level, he learned something through trial and error. And that subliminal knowledge about cameras and pictures was locked away in an unused portion of his brain until a stagecoach accident left him with a severe head injury and unlocked those latent abilities. Mybridge lived long before the modern era of MRIs or X-rays. We don't know exactly what cranial injuries he sustained, but we can see their effects. Amazing photographic work, unlike anything anyone else was producing at the time. However, his genius came with a heavy price. Mybridge spent the rest of his life suffering periodic seizures, headaches, and mood swings. The negative effects culminated when he murdered his wife's lover. The problem was, Dr. Trefford never found any correlation between savant abilities and violence, meaning that Mybridge's homicidal personality change was probably unrelated to his photographic genius. Whatever brain injury he sustained, it was probably fundamentally different from those of other savants. Dr. Trefford never found a way to test his theory either. The rewiring relied on neurons turning off, and unfortunately, there's no way to turn damaged neurons back on again. Once they're gone, they're gone. And no one was going to volunteer to get permanent brain damage for a scientific study. Even more damning, nothing in Mybridge's family history suggested he had a genetic disposition toward photography. Both his parents were traders and merchants, and no one related to him had ever been an artist. In 1995, psychologist Dr. Robin Young further discredited Treffert's latent genetic theory. She conducted history's largest scale review of people with savant syndrome traveling across the world to identify people with the rare condition. Out of 51 subjects, only 23 had family members with superior skills in savant-like areas. Young's findings could be interpreted to undermine Treffert's entire theory. But there was one aspect 
that Young couldn't explain away. Those islands of genius had to come from somewhere, and they always seemed to follow a traumatic injury. This led researchers like Dr. Barrett Brogard to conclude that savant skills come from the way the brain recovers from injury. Not by unlocking dormant skills, but by giving people the radical means to learn new abilities. One of the clearest examples of this phenomenon was Jason Paget. To briefly recap, after a violent attack outside of a bar, Jason suffered a serious concussion. Following his recovery, Jason developed PTSD and OCD, and something far weirder. Everything Jason saw, including running water and beams of sunlight, appeared as a mathematical structure that he could literally see. But when he tried to explain it to his friends and family, they had no idea what he meant. He intuitively understood the constructs, but he didn't have the language to describe them. In order to get a handle on his vision, Jason enrolled in math classes at a community college. Soon after, he found Dr. Barrett Brogard. Brogard is a Danish and American neuroscientist who specializes in cognitive processing and the philosophy of the mind. She is also one of the leading researchers in identifying the connection between savant syndrome and synesthesia. Synesthesia is a phenomenon where a stimulus to one sense triggers an association with another. For example, a person with synesthesia might associate a poem with a particular color or hear a specific tone every time they see a certain number. Imagine you're reading a book and you come across the word dog. Even though the word is printed in plain black ink, it sticks out as bright red. That's because, as a synesthete, your brain associates the word dog with the color red. Now let's imagine you covered up half the word with your thumb. Now you just see the letter D, and the D is yellow. You have a different association with that letter. When you scoot your thumb over, you now see the letter O, which is purple and G might be green, and so on. The association of colors and words and letters is just one form of synesthesia. The condition can appear in a number of ways, blending sights, sounds, smells, and tastes, or, in Jason Paget's case, linking visual stimulation to conceptual mathematics. There was one problem, though. Brogard had never heard of a person developing synesthesia. So far as she knew, people were either born with it or they never had it. Jason was unique in other ways, too. He was the first person to ever demonstrate the ability to hand-draw mathematical fractals and the first person to spontaneously see these patterns in the ordinary world. So Brogard theorized that the same injury that had given Jason his savant syndrome had also made him a synesthete. In order to understand how that's even possible, we have to look at the biology that allows us to think. Everyone's brain is divided into two hemispheres, the right and the left. In simplified terms, the left side is logical and good at processing symbols. It handles language, math, and decision-making. 
The right side of the brain is creative. It's where we process art, music, and emotions. Most of us have a dominant left hemisphere because we need decision-making skills and logical thinking in our daily lives. Even people who are naturally more right-brained tend to neglect their artistic talents. They need to understand math and spelling to do well in school, but it's not so necessary to be good at painting or composing to succeed. In other words, if you want to be a musician or painter, or if you want your children to, you'd better have access to an early childhood arts program to nurture the right hemisphere early on. But sometimes brain injuries can change a person from left-brained to right-brained. Basically, if neural pathways on the left hemisphere become unusable, your mind will reroute its thinking to the right side. And this unlocks the musical or artistic inclinations that were unused since early childhood. Conversely, a naturally artistic person might develop sudden mathematical or spatial skills after an injury to their right hemisphere. This theory fits with the findings Dr. Daryl Treffert uncovered. He sorted typical savant abilities into five categories. Some were consistent with the right hemisphere, like music and art, and others were consistent with the left, like mathematics, calendar calculating, and spatial skills. Theoretically, the nature of a person's island of genius should tell researchers where their brain injury occurred. In Jason's case, he probably damaged the right hemisphere of his brain. As electrical signals and neural enzymes flooded his left hemisphere, new connections were formed, especially between the nerves associated with sight and those associated with math. Suddenly, he could perceive the basic structure of the universe just by looking at it. And those linked senses, mathematical reasoning and vision, were probably a rare form of synesthesia. To test this hypothesis, Brogard performed an MRI scan. During the examination, she showed Jason pictures and analyzed which neural regions were stimulated. Brogard found that when Jason looked at the images, two parts of his brain activated, the portion associated with visual information and the part that processes mathematics. This seemed to prove that he really was a synesthete. And perhaps that explained his sudden savant syndrome too. At this point, we should clarify that Brogard did not believe Jason had an inherited genetic understanding of mathematics. Unlike Treffert, Brogard was certain that Jason had learned about these complicated concepts on his own as a result of his injury. His synesthesia allowed Jason to understand geometry and trigonometry just by looking at shapes and planes. While most people struggle to grasp complex mathematical concepts, Jason could intuit solutions just by looking at them. Brogard explained, most of us don't have that kind of insight because we don't visualize mathematical formulas. In 2014, a team of French researchers built on Brogard's hypotheses. They found a strong correlation between synesthesia and autism. They explored the issue through a patient dubbed FC, who was born with autism, perfect pitch, and other forms of savant abilities. 
A 2018 article in Dementia and Neuropsychologia further elaborated, identifying a strong correlation among synesthesia, autism, and savant syndrome. The Toronto-based team theorized that all three of these conditions occur when damaged brains rewire their thought processes and form atypical connections. The problem with these studies was that they focused on people who were born with synesthesia and savant syndrome. It's incredibly rare for a person to develop synesthesia as an adult, making it almost impossible for researchers to assemble a large pool of sudden savant synesthetes. In addition, not all savants have synesthesia. Edward Mybridge never gave any indication that his senses became linked after his head injury. And with other savants, we just don't have enough information to say for sure if they had synesthesia. There hasn't been much research comparing the rates of synesthesia and the rates of savant syndrome alone. But we can look at the rates of synesthesia and autism. As we mentioned before, Dr. Daryl Treffert estimated that about 10% of autistic people were also savants. However, a team of psychologists writing for molecular autism found that almost 19% of autistic people have synesthesia. That's almost double the number of autistic savants, and we have no way of knowing how much overlap there is between the synesthetes and the savants. Then there's the gender gap. Many psychological studies have suggested that women are six times more likely to have synesthesia than men. However, Treffert asserts that men are six times more likely to be savants than women. If synesthesia caused savant syndrome, the gender breakdowns should match up. Instead, it looks like those rare cases where a person has both synesthesia and sudden savant syndrome are just a fluke. Maybe Jason Paget could calculate the odds that he'd be both a synesthete and a savant and offer a theory on how he came to embody such an unusual combination. In the meanwhile, we'll have to chalk his case up as an outlier. We can't explain savant syndrome through genetics, nor does it seem to be linked to synesthesia. Perhaps that's because neuroscience is the wrong place to look for an explanation. Savant Tony Sicoria has always maintained that his sudden abilities were a divine gift from heaven. Up next, one sudden savant claims his skills were inherited from a past life. Now the conclusion to the story. Most leading savant syndrome theories focus on the brain's ability to recover from an injury. Dr. Daryl Treffert and Dr. Barrett Brogard agree that these skills emerge after a brain rewires itself around damaged neurons. They just differ on the mechanics of how those skills are acquired. But neither theory can fully explain all savants. The kinds of injury and the skills that emerge vary wildly from person to person, making any kind of scientific analysis challenging. And one savant, former orthopedic surgeon Tony Sicoria, did not limit himself to rational explanations. He believed his musical skill was the result of his reincarnation. As we discussed last week, Tony's life changed in 1994 when he was struck. 
by lightning. After the accident, he scheduled appointments with his cardiologist and neurologist, both of whom insisted there was nothing wrong with him. They even checked for brain damage and didn't find anything. Nevertheless, something had changed. Tony became obsessed with classical music and acquired sudden, impressive piano-playing abilities. Tony was an orthopedic surgeon, so he understood science and biology. He also knew there was no rational explanation for what had happened to him. Every theory about sudden savant syndrome had to do with the way the brain recovers from injury. But his doctors maintained that he hadn't suffered any kind of injury. When medicine failed to explain what was going on, Tony turned to the world of the supernatural and the divine. He thought his skills had come from God. During a performance in Vienna, Tony claimed that his ability was from the other side. Specifically, he'd accessed a talent he'd possessed in a past life. In an interview with writer Suzanne Nichols, Tony described his belief that he briefly died and visited an afterlife after he was struck by lightning. Even though he was only unconscious for a short while, he felt as though he traveled to an eternal place where time didn't exist. While there, Tony saw his entire life flash before his eyes. He also briefly reunited with his deceased mother-in-law, then was bathed in a welcoming, warm light. When he woke up back on Earth, Tony was a transformed man. He described himself as reborn. He was literally a new person. Or perhaps a very old person who'd just become aware of his past lives. Tony is far from the only individual to explain sudden savant syndrome through reincarnation. In his seminal work, Islands of Genius, top savant researcher Daryl Treffert touched on the subject. He said, some have invoked reincarnation or a paranormal phenomenon of some sort. But as quickly as Treffert raised the possibility, he dismissed it. The researcher described reincarnation as too far afield to be taken seriously. But that hasn't stopped New Age thinkers from treating incredible savant abilities as evidence of a past life. In the 1950s, a Colorado housewife provided striking proof for the existence of reincarnation. During hypnosis sessions with her therapist, Virginia Ty seemingly connected with a past version of herself. In a sophisticated Irish brogue, Virginia claimed that 100 years before, She'd been Bridget Murphy of Cork, Ireland. She asserted that she liked to go by the nickname Bridie and went on to describe details of day-to-day life in mid-19th century Cork. Bridie's accounts seemed to prove that past lives existed, and paranormal investigators have drawn even more dramatic connections. Savant syndrome may be more than evidence of reincarnation, it could prove all kinds of paranormal phenomena. In 2014, neuropsychiatrist Dr. Diane Hennessy-Powell claimed that she'd found evidence of telepathic abilities in a nine-year-old autistic savant. Likewise, Dr. Bernard Rimlin 
claimed that during a large-scale study of autistic people, including autistic savants, he identified four individuals who seemed to have extrasensory perception. Two were children who could apparently predict the future. Another was able to hear conversations from impossibly far distances, perhaps by reading minds. The fourth knew of events that he'd never witnessed personally. The problem is these sorts of data points are impossible to replicate in a lab setting. And as psychologist Ronald E. Riggio explained, often ordinary intuition is mistaken for ESP. People who have knowledge they shouldn't may have made a reasonable deduction. For example, consider one of Rimland's patients who seemed to predict the future. This was based, in part, on an incident where he knew his mother and father were picking him up from school early, even though no one had told him his parents were on their way. But the student probably remembered other incidents where he'd left school early for similar reasons. Maybe his mother always called his doctor in the morning to confirm his appointments, and he'd seen her on the phone over breakfast. Or he always left early when he had a mild fever and he'd been feeling sick that day, or any other number of factors. So savants probably can't read minds or predict the future, but their sudden knowledge must come from somewhere. And if logical explanations can't solve the mystery, why couldn't it be a past life? Neurologist Oliver Sacks didn't believe in reincarnation, and he was determined to prove there was another explanation for Tony Sicoria's abilities. In an interview with Tony, Sachs commented that there must be a neurological explanation for his sudden talents. After all, Sachs had seen cases like Sicoria's before, and there was always a rational explanation. Like with a sudden savant known as Salima M., Salima would be going about her day, then get an odd sense of some completely unrelated activity or event. For example, she'd be hit with strong feelings about walking on a beach when she was having coffee with a friend. But it would be completely unrelated to the conversation. One could see how this could almost feel like remembering a past life. But she wasn't recovering past memories at all. After a grand mal seizure, Salima was diagnosed with a brain tumor. That had been the cause of her continuous sense of being elsewhere. Luckily, Salima's tumor was operable, and she made a complete recovery. After surgery, however, she suddenly became obsessed with music, much like Tony Sicoria. But there was one difference. Her musical, Island of Genius, appeared without the idea that she'd glimpsed a past life. She never tried to claim her ability was related to her tumor-induced thoughts about beaches. And other evidence of reincarnation is debunked as often as it's introduced. Skeptics have even discredited Virginia Ty, the housewife who claimed she remembered a past life as an Irish woman named Bridie. Years after Virginia shared her story, an investigator discovered that she'd grown up in Chicago across the street from a woman named Bridie Corkle. Her maiden name was Murphy, and Corkle sounded suspiciously similar to Cork. Virginia also had a Scotch-Irish aunt who may have told her a lot of stories about growing up in Ireland. 
Ultimately, investigators decided that hers was a case of cryptomnesia, a phenomenon where half-forgotten strands of old memories are woven together and mistaken for a new experience. So paranormal investigators are left without a strong explanation for what sudden savant syndrome is or how it's caused. Some scientific theories fit well with specific cases, like Jason Paget's synesthesia, but there's no one-size-fits-all hypothesis. Maybe the truth can be found in a combination of theories. Some skills are dormant in our neurons, while others can be learned after the brain finds new ways to rewire itself. Perhaps the solution lies not in finding one master theory to explain all savants, but in figuring out why different skills occur after different injuries. Trying to compare Edward Mybridge and Jason Paget is like comparing apples and oranges. Even though both these men can be called sudden savants, that doesn't mean their brains work the same way or that their conditions had similar causes. To really understand the condition, we'll need a lot more evidence. Dr. Treffert explained in his book, Islands of Genius, that new imaging technology allows scientists to observe how savants' brains work in real time. It's too early to come to any conclusions, but perhaps the data we uncover now will improve future understanding. And the more researchers learn about the human brain, the better they understand everyone, savant or not. Through further study, we can better understand how people think and feel and delve into the world's greatest mystery, ourselves. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back Thursday with a new episode. For more information on Sudden Savant Syndrome, amongst the many sources we used, we found Islands of Genius, The Bountiful Mind of the Autistic, Acquired, and Sudden Savant by Daryl Treffert, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Unexplained Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. See you next Thursday. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler in his A Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Joel Stein. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Yu Hao Cheng, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner. 